Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 82. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today.
cool. I'm going to get one today. Well, my summer break has been shorter than I planned, and now I have two episodes ready. The first one was last time, as it was an urgent matter involving a Kickstarter for Guy Gilchrist's Monster Dance Book that will be expiring on August 19th, 2020. The second new episode is today's episode. There's no new news on my books at this time, but the others are still available through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and most through BearMatterMedia.com. Our guest today is an artist and writer whose work has appeared in Nickelodeon magazine, as well as his own Magic Whistle. He's here today to discuss his new project involving Mad Magazine movie parodies. Here he is, Sam Henderson. Okay, okay on the phone today we have Sam Henderson. How are you? Okay. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your career, and you're doing something interesting with Mad Magazine movie and TV parodies right now. Uh, yeah. But first, if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in cartooning and other things that you do. Uh, well, I've been doing a comic called Magic Whistle for about uh, 20-some years, um, and um, I do cartoons on and off. Um, and right now I'm working on a memoir called Hail Seizure, um, just about my life as an epileptic. Mm. And uh, right now I've uh, had a couple installments in uh, American Bystander, and um, I'm not sure what I'm uh, doing now. Um, Magic Whistle's on hiatus um, right now. Um, so I've just uh, been doing cartoons here and there for not much money um, <laughs> and uh, hoping... Uh, I'll have a renaissance with uh, Hail Seizure when I'm finished with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, tell me a little bit about Magic Whistle. I mean, how, how did that get started? I've seen it uh, in both comic book form and just appearing in different publications. What was well, I was doing it as a mini-comic uh, for several years in the 90s um, and uh, passing that around um, and eventually... Uh, that a publisher uh, decided he wanted to pick that up, and that was in the 90s when uh, more people were doing uh, zines. Um, so it was easier to do it that way. Um, I don't know what I'd do now. Um, <laughs> now the computers are uh, the main uh, venue for uh, showing your work around, um, but back when uh, Xeroxes were uh, the main uh, venue, um, it was easier to get things done. Uh, maybe if I were in my 20s now, um, computers would, would be the way I would get in. Uh, but that way it was uh, through, Z that time it was through Xeroxing. Mm -hmm. so have you kept it in a digital form at, at this point? You said you're in hiatus, but I mean, do you keep doing them and just having them there and then hope for a print publication at some point, or are you just not doing them at all? <laughs> Um, well, I'm still doing uh, cartoons, um, but um, I'm not sure about Magic Whistle, um, what form I'm going to do it in. I, I still go, go to conventions, um, and I'm. it doesn't seem I'm known as I was 25 years ago. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and they're getting younger, um, but it, it was just uh, easier when I was the same age as everybody else. Um, Maybe it's just because um, people are still in their 20s now, and I don't fit in as much. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it's it's just harder when I'm 
um, mini comics used to be uh, just the 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 uh, way to uh, get in, and now it, it just uh, seems to be the, the finished product now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what kids read today. To be honest, is the, if they yeah. are if they're reading anything digitally, or if they're just not reading at all, which sometimes I think yeah. that they don't read at all. <laughs> Yeah. And just play video games all day or something or watch <coughs> movies or YouTube or Snapchat or whatever the latest uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, website du jour is, as it were, you know, or app yeah. du jour. You know? yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I well, it, you probably got more coverage back in the days. You, didn't you used to appear pretty regularly uh, in things like Nickelodeon magazine, things like that? Yeah, Um and that, that's another thing. Um, they they uh, concentrate concentrated more on uh, licensed characters, and uh, that was kind of uh, disappearing as a magazine. It, at, at its at its peak, it had a circulation in the hundreds of thousands, and that was slowly declining until they uh, eventually decided it wasn't really worth it. Um, and things like uh, Sponge, SpongeBob were more of a uh, made more money for them, and it, it just wasn't worth it to do a magazine with original features. Right, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Because yeah. when, when I ever look, I, you know, it's still at this age, I'm 53 now, I go I go to the store, well, at least when they're open and have magazines there, um, <laughs> uh, I go to the store and say, hmm, what, what do kids read now? And they'll, yeah. they'll be like a Spider-Man magazine. It'll be t something that's licensed and tied into something. It'll be a Frozen magazine or something like that. And I go, how disappointing. Why isn't there any, like, just general kids' magazines anymore? When I was a kid, there was, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, well, it used to be, uh, I mean, comics uh, used... The, the idea of a store that only sells comics uh, would have been foreign like uh, 30 or more years ago. Uh, but now it's the, pretty much the only way to uh, get comics now. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of a shame, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, I agree. You know, I used to see them at the drugstore, at the liquor store, at the... Right, candy store at the grocery store, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and they they used to uh, sell some some of them would would sell in the millions, and now you're lucky to uh, break about ten thousand or so. Right, right. Um, so any other projects coming along the the way besides what you talked about, or? Uh, no, I'm just uh, doing stuff as a hobby uh, right now. Um, just uh, like. Just because I've been uh, collecting so much stuff for years, um, I'm just putting it up on a blog uh, just to uh, share with other people and also to uh, prove I have it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're doing another project, and we talked about this a little bit earlier when you first started out, and then you know now we're talking about it because you said, <laughs> I've done enough. Uh, so it, it's about the Mad Magazine movie and TV parodies, which unfortunately they no longer do, considering their yeah. current reprint situation. But what is it exactly that you're doing? <laughs> uh, well, I haven't done. I haven't. Maybe I'll get to the TV shows when I'm finished with okay. movies. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to just uh, do every uh, Mad uh, movie parody up to a certain point. Um, just from A to Z, um, just uploading them on the web right now. Um, I've devoted a blog to it. Um, just uh, excerpts from movie parodies, enough to uh, not uh, skirt copyright. Um, <laughs> just uh, showing, like, just uh, I started with uh, the Adams family, uh, mm -hmm. 
and I'm ending with uh, Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> um, just uh, and uh, it, it mo- most are drawn by Mort Drucker, uh, of course. Um, and uh, I'm just showing a few panels and uh, comparing it to the uh, actual movie itself, and uh, showing the, pretty much the, the trailer for every one of them is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I've been uh, putting that up um, and showing a few uh, panels from the parody itself. Are you actually? I haven't. I should take a look at it. But you know, I, uh, are you actually trying to find like? I know Drucker used uh, like still stock photos and things like that for reference sometimes. Uh, yeah. So are you trying to find the actual photo that he may have used to do his caricatures? Uh, no, but I am. But uh, sometimes I am comparing them to. Uh, Sometimes uh, imitators like Cracked and Crazy did parodies as well. Um, so if I can, if I can find those, um, I'll show a couple panels from that as well. Um, and a lot of a lot of their artists uh, copied from, directly from uh, the Drucker parodies. Uh, so I'll try to show examples of that as well. And um, why did you decide to do it A through Z? Was it just convenience? Or, uh, um, it was easier than chronological order. Um, okay. Just because, um, if I if I just did order, like people just like wouldn't bother with certain eras, mm-hmm. and they just if they did that, then they just forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to just like show various parts of history at once, and it's all it's interesting looking through it all. Uh, how much uh, movie going has changed as well in real life because uh, like Matt originally started like but basically as a portal to the adult world and and then they started just parodying things that kids that read Matt would watch because um, they, they started out uh, parodying things like Lawrence of Arabia just uh, as big epic movies and then they started parodying uh, things like Star Wars, things that kids uh, that read mad would watch. Mm-hmm. And then they they would just uh, parody things based on uh, taking notes, watching movies when we would. And so their parodies would come out six months after the movies came out. Then uh, during the VCR era, uh, videotapes of the movies uh, came out six months after the release, so they would uh, base the movie parodies on watching uh, watching the v- v- uh, the uh, VHS tapes mm-hmm. of the movies, and uh, they'd be able to uh, fast forward and uh, if they if they missed something and uh, base things on on that, and uh, then they'd actually get eventually they'd actually get uh, screeners from the movie companies themselves. Because it was like it was kind of a, a uh, badge of honor to uh, be parodied by Matt, right? But wasn't it in the early days? Um, I've I've read it, and of course I'm working on a Mad book myself. Uh, that the movie studios did not like the parodies at first and wouldn't freely give out photographs. And yeah, uh, that, that's the way it was. Yeah, um, probably was that way at first. Um, that, that's what I was saying. Um, like it, it, it was a, uh, 
it was considered uh, slanderous uh, for them to do that at first. Um, then it was considered flattery. <laughs> and also, uh, when Mad was bought by Warner Brothers, uh, it was it was considered kind of a tie-in. Like, I, I covered uh, Batman because I'm at the bees right now. Um, and uh, that was, con- like, they uh, scheduled uh, a release of the issue of Mad where they parodied Batman to be at the same time as uh, as the... They scheduled the issue of Mad to come out at the same time as the release of the movie. Right. And so there are scenes uh, in the parody that, that aren't in the movie because they watched it then. It, it seems uh, they they watched it then. I, I'm just... Uh, I, I didn't get information from them. I'm just uh, getting this from the parody. They, there, there are scenes in the parody that aren't in the movies. Hmm. So I'm guessing they, they watched a screener without seeing the uh, final edit just so they could uh, get it out in time. Do you find a lot of so, examples of that, or is it cur- like the more current movies just because of the speed of trying to get the parody out? Uh, well, it, 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 it's more now. Uh, well, I, I have a cutoff point, but uh, the more recent ones, uh, they, they uh, there's more of a... Uh, and also because they're shorter uh, when they came out. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they, it became more about uh, the movie parodies uh, in the in the late eighties uh, and, and uh, early nineties, and so they they tried to get more in, and so they were shorter. It used to be they were about eight or nine pages uh, in the earlier days, and then they eventually uh, devolved into like four or five pages when they tried to get more in. Why do you think that happened? Do you think it just was uh, they couldn't justify a, a nine-page parody or too many other artists and writers wanting to uh, grab space in the magazine or what? Well, as I said, they, uh, they, they used to just parody. Uh, they, did, they, they did one parody uh, in an issue, and now, and then they, they uh, since they had to do two or three in an issue, they, they, they shortened mm. it to uh, four or five pages so they could get more in. Hmm. And we were talking about there, the, you know, you said Lawrence of Arabia. When I started reading Mad, which was 1974, you know, the, uh-huh. one, the one thing I noticed was that they do mer- parodies of R-rated movies and, uh, you know, movies that I'd never even consider, you know, when I was a little kid, like Serpico, I've seen them since, or Death Wish. Or, right. Uh, <laughs> where do you think that changed or why? Is it because of the Warner Brothers thing or Feldstein no longer being the editor or just the dumbing down of <laughs> America or something? What's your take well, on it? <laughs> uh, movies did kind of dumb down after Star Wars um, just because... Uh, Movies were more marginalized, uh, aiming more for a youth audience. Um, and they, they parodied more R-rated movies just because when they started, uh, movies didn't have ratings. True. And so they just, uh, they just went to, to, uh, movie, movies were aimed more for adults overall. So they went to, uh, something like Serpico or Death Wish because that was the, uh, newest movie and they, they, the ratings weren't, they, they, they didn't uh, think about uh, ratings at all at that time. That was a relatively new thing. Ratings were about uh, five to ten years old at that time. 
True, but uh, I I noticed on Mad that they tended to go to movies that adults would like. Like they didn't typically do parodies, say, of Disney pictures. Although they did a right. Twenty Thousand Leagues one, I think, or maybe that might have been in Panic. But you know, that's the only one I can think of that they like. Mary Poppins, you would think. They might have done that because that was a big hit movie, but, again, it was a Disney movie. Well, like I said, the, the, the whole magazine overall like was uh, basically uh, just uh, it would make fun of uh, adult things uh, so kids would understand them. Uh, like the, the, whole, uh, the whole thing about the, the magazine was just about how was, was basically uh, explaining adult things to kids, like about how, how packaging works. Mm-hmm. Or how uh, things on TV lie to you, and so that so uh, when they would parody uh, movies that were aimed for adults, uh, they they basically explained them to kids. Do you think that uh, that might be a, a reason why Mad might have lost its audience along the way because over time they stopped? being so arguably adult and just geared specifically towards kids? In a way, um, well, like we were talking about before, just uh, people just uh, stopped reading magazines overall. Yeah. Um, so things like that were in the millions and now are in the tens or hundreds of thousands, um, I think uh, that's one reason. And also because uh, Star Wars uh, changed movie going so much, um, it used to, like now now pretty much all movies are pretty much uh, the drive-in Saturday matinee Saturday matinee movie is pretty much the standard now instead of uh, like just a, a one-time thing because uh, it used to be things like The Godfather were pretty much the uh, standard for movies uh, before Star Wars and then once Star Wars came out um, the genre movie became the uh, Big budget release. You mentioned you had a cutoff uh, date of, uh, but you didn't say which date it is and, and why. Why? Why is there a cutoff? Why don't you go clear to the bitter end, as it were? <laughs> well, I, I stopped reading them, reading it uh, basically when I graduated high school. Um, so, if I were to really have a cutoff point, it would be like around uh, maybe number two hundred and fifty or something. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I decided to uh, continue a little bit after that just because uh, I know so many people that read my stuff are younger than me. Um, and so I, wait, I cut off around 350 just because that's such a round number. Um, so I decided around there, like around 96 or so, even though I was in my 20s and stopped reading Mad by that point. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and, and after that... Uh, like things like more, more drug was basically just copying from photos and didn't have uh, like there weren't any sight gags on the side, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't really familiar with any of the writers and artists they had after then, and uh, I just couldn't relate to uh, any of the stuff and didn't know who any of the people were behind them. So, and some of them are still alive, so I decided not to do it. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and, and also, and I'll, and they, they, I, I, they, I also wanted, didn't want to uh, have references to things that are still around now, right? Even though um, 
there are a few, um, like, because in some of the parodies, even back in the 90s, um, there are references to things like Biden and Clarence Thomas. <laughs> um, but, uh, but overall, um, there, there are some, uh, uh, it's mostly archaic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's probably best to have a cutoff time. I was just curious what your reasoning was, because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I still read MAD to this day, uh, but one of my complaints about MAD is the continual, basically, dumbing down of it to, you know, make it sort of more towards kids than adults. So adults have no interest in reading it, because, A, they'll either parody something that kids know better, like, say, the Harry Potter films or something like right. that, or a ton of superhero movies, and I and I think, well, you know, there are more adult movies that they have put out. I mean, uh, this one went to more for streaming than in the theaters, but it was in the theaters. An example would be, uh, like, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, you know, and yeah. that got some good reviews. I, I watched it. I thought it was pretty good. In the in Mad's heyday, they would have parodied that right away, but now it seems like they would completely ignore it. This is even yeah. before uh, they decided not to do any more parodies. But uh, they don't. Yeah, they, I, uh, yeah. I, I did a podcast interview with Tom Richmond, and he's still doing some new material for the book. But they they basically uh, ended doing new movie parodies. So uh -huh. you know, or TV parodies. You know, so his. His work now is, you know, just in other articles, and it isn't necessarily caricature work because, you know, the other articles don't really call for stuff like that all the time, so it's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of an interesting point of fact. Um, uh, I mean, you, kind of, you already touched on it saying, you know, things have changed and people don't really read magazines, but is there, in your opinion, a need for parodies of movies anymore, even if they aren't done in print form, you know, like, say, if they do it on Saturday Night Live or some other TV show or just streaming on the Internet or something? Well, there's so many things uh, now. Um, Matt's uh, a little bit more obsolete because um, you, like, you have things like Saturday Night Live um, and The Onion and The Daily Show and things like that um, that... Um, that isn't as necessary. It used to be the, the only game in town, um, and now there are so many other uh, things that are around um, that if that were to go away, um, which I hope it doesn't, um, it wouldn't. Uh, it's not uh, the institution it once was. Right. Because there are so many other things. Uh, and Cesar Live uh, sometimes does do uh, movie parodies. It's more of like a what if situation, like uh, like comparing like a current uh, sitcom, like if Trump were in it or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they and don't so usually just do a straight parody. You're correct. Yeah. Um. But um, do you think people in this day and age just don't get parody anymore, or there's no need for satire, or were you just inundated with too many sources of it? There's too many sources of it. Um, it used to be just uh, basically like every commercial is pretty much uh, like just just like every like uh, not every every source uh, like every, every uh, book or every everything uh, that exists uh, 
is kind of self-referential in some kind of way. Because um, it used to be only Matt that made fun of something, but now uh, everything pretty much has a wink to it. Like every commercial uh, is kind of self-referential in some kind of way, even if it is, even if it's serious, it, it makes a reference to something. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, that political correctness might have anything to do with the changeover at all? Um, I don't know about that. Um, but uh, like uh, like an advertisement, uh, it, like Matt just used to make fun of how an ad would look. Um, but now that uh, many ads are uh, parodies or references to other ads, um, it, it doesn't really matter um, just doing a straight parody of, of an ad in a magazine uh, isn't enough now. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I'm asking is because in more recent issues of MAD, which I find uh, upsetting, <laughs> but I guess I understand why they do it, is uh, they've uh, edited some of the recent uh, issues of reprints of older articles and movie parodies uh, to take out certain offensive things or kind of update the references. And I, I've noticed that, well, when I, when, as I've gone back uh, to issues, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised by uh, some of the references. Like, for example, like they, they did a Bad News Bears parody and they actually used the N-word in it. Yeah. And so I, I, I had a disclaimer on my post uh, saying saying that that was the case, um, but I also said it was 1976 when things like that were were common, and they didn't think of it anything of it back then, uh, 44 years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing that was shocking, and I, and I guess I read it originally. See, sometimes when I was a kid, you know, I just it, it just kind of like. Okay, you know, it never bothered me, but now I'm going, wow, that actually made it in there. It's the original Star Wars parody that they did back in uh, early 78 or late 77 or something um, by Harry North, or he was the artist on it. Um, yeah. They actually had the word fag in it. <laughs> I was like, you know, I think the reference was to C-3PO. It's like, I, you know, R2-D2 was saying something like, I'm hanging out with a fag robot here, and I was yeah, like... Yeah, there's there's a few things like that, um, and uh, I've just uh, put in display uh, uh, showing uh, on my other blog that I, I I've had um, where I post things, but with old comics, I've I've noticed things like slurs and stereotypes, and um, rather than edit them out, I've just said uh, these were things in the past, um, and uh, you don't know uh, what you'd think you even even though uh, we're all enlightened now. Um, if you, as a woke person, uh, were to have gone back fifty years, you don't, you can't say you would have been woke back then. Yeah, but yeah, because like I said, when I, you know, I read that Star Wars parody when it first came out, I was probably ten years old, and you know, I knew yeah. that word, and but I didn't go around saying it to everybody. Right. <laughs> and I probably laughed at that gag, and you know, it just later uh, I go, wow, I didn't realize that was in there. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they wouldn't do that now, but uh, they they probably wouldn't uh, clutch their pearls or anything when they did do it um, back then. Yeah, and uh, it, yeah, if you were to read that in '77, uh, you wouldn't be so shocked uh, seeing that. 
uh, like you would now. Now, I, I've I've read every issue, man, but I can't say yeah. that I've read all of them very recently. So you're going through right. them now. Uh, yeah. Are there any other kind of extreme situations or shocking situations that you've seen over the course of doing this? Well, well I noticed it, even in the Batman parody, they, they use the word uh, fag as well. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because I never, you know, it's kind of funny. I never really thought of, uh, you know, Mad ha- doing, you know, any sort of foul language right. whatsoever in, you know, you know, even though I was reading it, like even you know, like they did um, a parody of uh, Apocalypse Now, and I, I think they bleeped out what would have been shit. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, that's what I'm used to. But you know, in the last few issues of Mad, before they went all reprint, they they started uh, lowering the the bar a little bit, and they let a few shits in there into the the actual text. I was like, whoa, Mad's kind of growing up a little bit, I guess, if that's considered. Well, that's <laughs> That's because it's more acceptable uh, just uh, in media overall, uh, yeah. just the loosening of standards. Um, just because, like, now, uh, well, especially now, like, with with with, with uh, the whole uh, candid uh, tape of, of Trump saying, uh, grab him by the pussy, like, right. now you can say pussy on TV. Right. <laughs> or, or just, I mean, well, just even if it weren't for him, uh, like, just swearing on TV isn't a big deal now. Um, so, and it, it really isn't uh, aimed towards any group. So, uh, it's it's not really as offensive as any kind of slur against somebody, like calling somebody a fag. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I've noticed in, in some of the older parodies, uh, like just the idea of being gay is a punchline. Mm-hmm. Like just the the mannerisms are are, are are just funny in and of themselves, right? And going back to just uh, words in general, I remember it, you probably have seen it. I'm sure the National Lampoon parody of Mad that they did back in 1971. Yeah, and uh, uh, they did a page. You know, you're too old for Mad when, uh, yeah. and one of them was uh, when you know what. Uh, this and this means, and they, yeah. they they had like the pound sign or number sign and yeah. you know, the asterisk and the, the yeah. exclamation point. You know, and it's like it's two guys, you know, uh, crashing their cars into each other, swearing at right. each other. You know, and it's yeah. like wow, you know, it's like you know that parody really kind of knocked it to mad when they were really uh, high up on yeah. the pedestal there. But <laughs> yeah. Um, any other observations you've made? I mean, you probably consider Drucker the best parody artist, I assume. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, he was he was kind of the best uh, caricaturist as well. Um, sometimes when they, they had uh, somebody like uh, Don Martin do a parody, um, but that was only because um, either the, the movie like was more of a fantasy movie that didn't uh, rely on likenesses. Or it didn't have anybody particularly re- recognizable in it, like he did a Conan parody. Okay. But that was that was before uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big uh, star, and so there there really wasn't anybody that uh, you wouldn't look you would look at and say that doesn't look like that guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, Don Martin certainly wasn't one on caricatures. Although right. he did he did his uh, best sometimes. Uh, I remember a Beatles poster that he did that was yeah. quite funny and. 
uh, yeah. flipped it over and had all these rock and roll artists done the Martin way. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you know, yeah, I, don't, he, I don't know if he'd ever heard of any if he'd ever heard any of them, yeah. but he he, he did. Uh, he was able to uh, copy them from photographs. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I remember did, that. He, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if he ever uh, if he knew anything about Patty Smith because he drew in a in a half shirt and screaming. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he might have been aware of her since uh, Gilda Radner used to parody her on Saturday Night Live, and I assume the Mad Guys were watching that show too. <laughs> you know, yeah, they might. Yeah, way back probably. when, you know, but. Uh, I don't know that much about Martin's personal tastes on things, but, you know, he did also do parodies of fine art. You know, he had the Mona Lisa, you know, right. painting and Blue Boy and I, I can't, you know, Whistler's Mother, I'm sure, and a few others, you know, <laughs> they did. So, I mean, you know, he, you know, but he still did it in his own style, you know, which is kind of like the, you know, the way he drew all his characters is kind of weird. You know. Yeah, I've noticed uh, not just in the movie parodies, but overall, like all the uh, writers and artists were kind of like, kind of looked down on uh, just rock and roll in uh, in Mad. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I've talked to other people about that uh, too. Uh, you said you're going into the other publications like Cracked and Sick and uh, yeah. things like that, and it's like it seemed like they were more embracing of you know more teeny bopper groups. Like you would never see anything about the Monkees in Mad. Let's say. But there was parodies in the other publications, or even Hermits Herbits, or yeah. you know anything kind of, you know, and even the Beatles, you know, didn't really appear on the cover of Mad except for a special until 1968. So you know that was kind of late in the yeah. game, for, you know. Whereas well, I think uh, the, 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 a lot of the most of the uh, people that worked for Mad were born in the in the uh, 20s and 30s, and they I, they only knew about uh, rock and roll through their kids, and they probably. They just thought it was just a, a passing fad that wouldn't last a year. Right. And so they, they had their kids listening to Beatles records, and when they first heard it, they, they just thought it was just a, a phase that would only last. They wouldn't be around. Nobody would have heard of at this point. Right. And they also Let did alone, parodies uh, of Elvis and things back in the fifties, and <laughs> yeah, so nobody would know who Elvis was now, let alone uh, in the late fifties. Yeah, and but you'd never get a same type of parody of Sinatra, let's say, because Sinatra actually was trying to be a. a accomplished movie actor and even won an Oscar for one of his performances. So, right. you know, at that point they weren't uh, making fun of his music. They're, uh, you know, parodying his movies like From Here to Eternity or something like that. <laughs> well, they did do it. They did do a, uh, uh, one of their annuals uh, actually had uh, Mad and they had uh, Sinatra and one of the Beatles and a couple other pop stars on their cover. Yeah. But that was that was also at a time when uh, when both of them were uh, top forty hits. Um, it wasn't it wasn't all uh, rock. Uh, wasn't all uh, top forty. Uh, you would have Beatles and you would have Sinatra and you would have Montavani all top forty. Right. It is interesting though, and you, I'm sure you've seen this by flipping through the issues. You know, people like Jimi Hendrix. 
even if yeah. they never got a mention in the magazine, certainly like to read it because there's photos right. of him reading it. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a posed thing. That was something he probably legitimately read. I, you know, it yeah. seems like something he would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did a they did a parody of Sixteen magazine, um, and uh, I think uh, some of the people they parodied were new to them then. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a few issues that of that after that, uh, they had photos of uh, the editor of Sixteen with some pop stars reading the magazine. <laughs> but I, I guess it's what we've said already: is you know, Mad was highly popular. You know, it was selling like one to two million copies an issue, which is unheard right. of nowadays. You know, so right. it it was a force to be reckoned with, as it were. So you know, yeah. Um, uh, going back to what you're saying, you know, as far as artists, um, you know, mentioned Don Martin, um, uh, are there other artists like, say, well, you can name anyone you want, you know, but just like Jack Davis or Harry North that you think did a good job on parodies or you, you wish, uh, that it was always Drucker or something like that? Uh, I think Jack Davis did too. Um, uh, yeah, well, I prefer, I prefer, uh, like Jack Davis's, uh, earlier stuff, uh, like before he used, uh, like washes and and relied on uh, on uh, ruby lith and stuff, but when he when he did uh, cross hatching and craft uh, tin boards, um, I, I like that stuff better. Mm-hmm. Do you think during the magazine era that uh, they tended to use the artists uh, appropriately? Like it seemed like in the I assume you're going back to the comic books with Kurtzman and everything too, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and Kurtzman seemed to always uh, pick the right artist for the right parody. You know, right. like it, it seemed like even though Davis could have done Superman, Super Duper Man, you know, it wouldn't have been as good as the way Wood did it, for example. You know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, they were basically all uh, basically all Kurtzman. Um, if you've ever seen any of his roughs, they were pretty tight. They were actually tighter than uh, most artists would be. Mm-hmm. than most finished art is. I actually had him for a teacher when I was at School of Visual Arts, and he showed some of his roughs, um, and they were they were pretty tight, um, and he used several layers. And he was working on Annie Fanny at the time, and I saw some of his Annie Fanny uh, layouts, and uh, they, were, they, they, they look pretty much like uh, the finished art without the, uh, the, paint, the painting, Mm-hmm. And uh, he did a, he would he would like just uh, do like the uh, stick figures over uh, on tracing paper and then uh, put a layer of tracing paper over that and uh, do a like a tighter ver- tr- tighter version tracing the uh, what the uh, basically the stick figures and then uh, a, a layer of tracing paper over that uh, doing a tighter version of, of uh, the second. Uh, layer of tracing paper then a, a layer of tracing paper over that doing a tracing the third version and so on and so forth mm-hmm. i think uh art spiegelman uh did that same thing for mouse even though i've i've never seen him uh at work i think you're correct yeah <laughs> yeah because i've seen mouse before yeah yeah um one question i have since you know you did say you went back to the comic book era so you're going back to issue one i assume yeah. Uh, is there any? Uh, well, well, 
is there any confusion about what con is considered a movie parody since you said you're doing movies for example you know um one some are obvious like they did ping pong in issue six so that's a movie but well, he didn't so, really that's not really a movie parody either because he was like because king kong was basically it wasn't really a movie thing right at that point it was it was like more of a, a monster like Dracula or Frankenstein. True, but uh, King Kong actually originated in the movies, unlike, say, yeah. let's say Dracula, yeah. which is a book first. So that was right. my question. It's like, uh, do you have troubles with, like, they did a parody of The Lone Ranger, which was a radio show and yeah. a comic book and a movie and a TV series. Uh, would you consider that a movie for the sake of, or would you want it to be like, it, do you go by whether it's following the script of a specific movie? Uh, well, they did a high noon thing. I, that, that, that's something I would consider their uh, first uh, real movie parody. Okay. Something they, they actually it seems like it seems like they uh, actually went to the movie and took notes and uh, copied either from the uh, screen or from stills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like but, uh, again, like Frankenstein. Frankenstein, you know, is a movie. It's a book. It's you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's more of a an, an institution than uh, at, like they they were like they they did a, they did a Frankenstein thing too, but they weren't really parodying the uh, the James Whale uh, '30s uh, movie, just more the uh, the uh, story of Frankenstein at that time. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, that's what I was kind of driving at. Is like, uh, is it hard sometimes to determine? Well, is this really a movie parody, or if you have any doubts, you just don't cover that one. Well, uh, after Kurtzman, uh, it really wasn't, uh, it's really not that hard to determine. Right, right. Yeah, I'm referring mainly to the comic book ones, yeah. Right. And there were only, there were very few of those, um, and also they did a Dragnet a couple times, um, and first it was of the, uh, radio show, then it was of the TV show. Right, right. Yeah, because they didn't even get the caricatures down, he was kind of like a yeah. Sherlock Holmes caricature, as it were. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I'll, I'll probably get to the uh, TV parodies. Uh, a, the, I mean, the movie parodies they'll only last like a, a year or two if I if I uh, post them and write about them at the same rate. Um, mm -hmm. I'll get I'll be done with them at, at some point. Um, so I'll probably go back and do uh, movie and TV uh, parodies. Mm -hmm. You mean TV? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just movie, just TV. <laughs> yeah. Um... Now we talked about you know the various artists that worked on it. Um, do you have a particular fondness for a particular writer that uh, did movie parodies over the years? Uh, not really, because they, they they were pretty much they seem pretty much the same. Um, and uh, there there was a lot of it seems to, to me there was a lot of uh, rewriting by the editors. Because hmm. you know you would ha I'd have to reread certain ones, but it seemed like I always like parodies more by uh, Lou Silverstone and Stan Hart back in the day then you know uh, but you know even Al Jaffe did his uh, turn at some of these parodies and <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's, it's kind of interesting sometimes uh, as who's writing these things and you you just expect it always to be like uh, the first two I mentioned or Dick DeBartolo or something and uh, yeah. yeah, but if they, I mean, if they took uh, bylines off, uh, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really be able to tell the difference between any of the uh, writers, uh, except maybe Frank Jacobs, only because he did uh, all the musical parodies. Right. 
Are you covering? Are you covering those too? Like I know they did like a Star Wars musical and things like that. Or uh, yeah, yeah. If it was a movie, because um, they did a, a Lord of the Rings uh, musical parody, and they they did that at the time uh, the Lord of the Rings movie came out, and they did it in the style of the uh, the uh, boxy animation. So yeah, that would count. Okay. Okay. And uh, maybe a couple of the uh, they they did they parodied uh, My Fair Lady more than once, but. Uh, yeah, that that that's that's was after they they they've sh- they showed the the movie the uh, movie on TV uh, every year, uh, so I, that would count as well. Because mm-hmm. they, they did a lot of Broadway musical parodies, uh, I probably wouldn't include most of those. And, and I, I, I know sometimes they would do things like uh, I remember they did. Uh, Instead of an individual, I think later on they did James Bond movies, but I think the first time they did eight of them all at once or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did that with Planet of the Apes as well. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, uh, I've already inc- I already included uh, one uh, Planet of the Apes parody. So, are you separating it, those out, or are you just keeping it strictly the way it is, like they said? Well, as I said, I'm only using uh, excerpts uh, just because. Um, if I if I included the full thing, that would be uh, violating the copyright. Right, right. No, what I mean is, if they're if they're covering multiple films, is your write up covering all those films, or are you separating them out by film? Your write ups. I'm separating it out by film. Oh, got it. Uh, okay. Because yeah. I mean, they, they did a, they've done a few of those, um, like they've done a few uh, Siskel and Ebert parodies, mm-hmm. and they've shown clips of the films, or they've done Academy Award parodies, and uh, or. Uh, just a, they did a thing called a kids version of adult films, mm-hmm. where they, they they parody things like uh, Never on Sunday, and so I, I would just include uh, parts of that page and uh, whatever. That, I I can't think in my head of what else they. I think they did maybe the Days of Wine and Roses or the Hustler. Right. <laughs> Was there? Um... I assume you're not reading Mad like all the time, so it's like I mean, it it might be like you're looking at things now with fresh eyes. Uh, is there a movie parody that kind of struck you as uh, odd that they parodied a particular movie, or one that's a particular favorite of yours? <laughs> um, well, just just the things I remember uh, from when I was a kid in the '70s. Uh, I remember things like the Star Wars parodies. And I remember a lot of things from the, the 70s um, that I, I hadn't seen then that I've seen since. Uh, like, I remember, like, one of the first issues I read, um, they did a Clockwork Orange parody, mm-hmm. which I, ne- I never saw until maybe 15 years later. <laughs> and I've pretty much heard of every film they've parodied. Uh, the only film I, I never, even at this point, I never heard of uh, up until now was The Agony and the Ecstasy. Mm, okay. Cause... But yeah, there, there there are a couple uh, parodies I there that I'm really surprised by. Um, I, I, I'm surprised they did a parody of something called The, the Tamron Sea, which I still haven't seen, mm-hmm. uh, which I never heard of uh, when it came out. I, I've only heard of it. Um, and I, I guess they they parodied parodied it just because uh, Julie Andrews was in it, and they felt the need to parody every Julie Andrews film. Maybe that was the only, or they they thought it would be a big hit when it came out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. They 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 also uh, they parodied uh, Lost Horizon, which I guess was hyped as a big hit when it came out. Yeah. And it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm more surprised by the, the uh, some of the parodies, the the imitations did uh, that I haven't included, which I, I think they did because uh, they had a lot of the stars from the, the same movies that Mad did, and they used them because they were able to uh, use some of the same caricatures that Mad did. Now, are you covering any movies that might have? Not been parodied in Mad, but in the other ones. Example: um, Cracked uh, did a parody of a movie called Capone that they thought was going to be a big, big hit. It wasn't. <laughs> so, but uh, Mad never did a parody of it. <laughs> no, I, I only like I, I've, I've included some of the like. If Mad had done, has done the parodies, I'll, I'll include the uh, the other the ones that the other magazines have done, but not if they haven't been included in Mad. Okay, so Mad's your reference point on all of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, again, I'm um, going back, circling back around. I, I am surprised by some like the Swimmer, which is a movie I like a lot. Um, I'm surprised that that was parodied. Um, it was parodied in Sick, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I think they only parodied parodied it so they could because there were a lot of Burt Lancaster references by Mort Drucker. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that was the only reason uh, they they parodied it because um, I can't think of any other reason. Yeah, my my dad uh, he 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 didn't see the swimmer when it came out. In fact, he he hadn't even heard of it. But you know, once home video came through, my dad started renting or checking out like everything you know that he missed over the years. And so he saw the swimmer about ten years ago and yeah. uh, told me about it because this is an oddball film. I thought I saw every Burt Lancaster movie. <laughs> And right. uh, he liked it, but you know, it's like. Yeah. And then I eventually saw it, and I thought, yeah, this is a good but strange film. But uh, yeah, I don't think it was very popular when it came out. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I know you, you've been putting comments about you know your blog posts on Facebook and things like that, and um, one person was kind of surprised they did the bad seed, you know, for you know. Yeah. But I think even that had more of a notoriety than, say, the swimmer or something like that. Right. Yeah. You know. That that was was that a, a a hit when it came out? I don't I don't know. It uh, it was a hit enough to, according to. Yeah, I mean, my dad knew about it again, using him as a reference. Yeah. You know, my my dad wrote, started reading Mad from the very beginning. He was about fourteen when it first when Mad first came out as a comic, and so. You know, <laughs> Um, yeah, because a lot of the when it first became a magazine, uh, a lot of their uh, movies, their parodies were more uh, in the review format than uh, actual than a comic format. Mm-hmm. When, when did that kind of change? Yeah, did, did it change? I mean, did, how long did they do it in that review format? Was it... uh, for about an, until maybe the sixties or so. Okay, so is that late? Okay. Yeah, because I, I noticed they they always kind of tried to do uh, different experimental things over time. The one one that kind of sticks in my head is East Side Story, where they had actual photographs of the United Nations building and things like that, as opposed yeah. to you know having Drucker draw it all. Um, right. Uh, I don't know what it, I, I just mentioning it. It's like it just seemed like that they were more experimental in those days on the parodies where. By the seventies, let's say they're more an established groove of just you know here's the parody, here it is, you know. 
Yeah. Um, well, that, that, by the 70s, that, that became more what they were known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the 50s and 60s, they, they just pretty much, uh, well, they, they, they still did everything in this, in this, in the seventies, but, uh, like in the fifties and sixties, they, they pretty much covered everything and that, that's what you were, you were to expect. Um, but then when, when, uh, National Lampoon, uh, came along that, uh, pretty much, uh, took a bite out of their adult readership. Mm-hmm. And, and so they had to, uh, find more of a niche and then when things like uh, Saturday Night Live uh, came along, and uh, like I said, uh, there were other venues for uh, satire, uh, they became more they they became more juvenile and uh, <laughs> more more, aimed more for a, a a younger audience and uh, pandered more to them, catered more to them, uh, and that's when they they did more movie parodies mm-hmm. and TV show parodies. They were more like straight out uh, pointing of the names and uh, and likenesses of the characters. Because mm-hmm. they did, they didn't do it as much uh, punning of the names uh, before that either. Because mm-hmm. uh, like another thing I posted uh, was a parody of the Alamo, but it was more it wasn't really a straight parody, but like more like John Wayne uh, taking you on the set. <laughs> and showing you how how he made it, mm-hmm. and so they did more of things like that, uh, like a look at uh, this movie. Right. They did a, a parody of uh, Alfred Hitchcock, which I'll I'll get to when I get to. The, it was more it was concentrating more of North by Northwest because that was uh, the newest Hitchcock movie then. Right. But it was it was a parody of Alfred Hitchcock as a whole. Like this is what an Alfred Hitchcock movie looks like. Um, I was wondering if there's any in the the parodies that you've been reading, if there's any pop culture references that even to this day might have gone over your head. <laughs> uh, well, kind of. They, they did a par- uh, Well, so, sometimes uh, the uh, people who uh, read things uh, will explain that to me as well. Because they did a parody of the uh, the birds, um, and. Uh, like so, some of the, uh, the the birds attacking uh, were things like uh, you know Steve, Steve Allen was one of the birds because he said one of his catchphrases was "How's your bird?" Right. Um, they had another one I didn't rec- it totally baffled me. And somebody pointed out that it was Red Skelton because hmm. he also had a character and one of his catchphrases had something to do with birds. Mm-hmm. Well, he always imitated these two seagull characters. And uh, uh, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. On his opening of his TV show, he'd do, you know, we're going to do, and they had dumb voices, kind of like his, uh, Clem Kudiddlehoffler voice, it was kind of like Bullwinkle, you know, kind of, right. you know. <laughs> but, yeah, it's very obscure, you know, it, so you have, you have to find yourself looking things up on Google or something, just see what, you know, what the heck they're talking about, or... Uh, not, not, not as much, um, I, I explain a lot, uh, just because I, I figure other people... Um, yeah, the one thing I hate is when is history lessons from people older than me. Uh, even though I get about ninety ninety-five percent of uh, references from before my time. <laughs> uh, when the Crumb movie came out, my parents uh, figured I, I didn't even know who Crumb was. Wow! Even though I even though I knew probably knew more than them. 
And uh, they didn't even know that uh, Robert Crumb was still uh, doing things. They, they just knew him as, as some hippie artist from 1968. Wow. And they didn't think he didn't did anything uh, since then. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As a kid, um, you know, I didn't see it as a kid, but I was aware of Fritz the Cat. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Probably to a lesser extent, Zap comics because I wasn't reading those type of things till a little bit later. But yeah, uh, yeah, I probably had an awareness of it by at least by the time I was ten years old. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, on my on my uh, Mad blog, I, I do explain a few things um, just because I think uh, a lot of people uh, like they, they don't know when like because in the Apocalypse Now uh, parody, they make a couple references to uh, Hanoi Jane, mm. and uh, I think a, a lot of people. Uh, don't even know what that is. Don't even know anything about uh, how Jane Fonda was considered a traitor right. uh, during the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I make a couple, do a couple, have a couple uh, lines explaining that, mm -hmm. and uh, like how uh, Marlon Brando makes a reference to some Indian broad. Um, so I have to explain <laughs> that uh, when he accepted, when he uh, won the Oscar for The Godfather. He uh, had uh, some an American Indian uh, accept a word on his behalf. Right. <laughs> um, just think, think, little things like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And there, there was a, there, there was a, uh, there was a panel uh, where where Nixon said, uh, "Yes, you would buy a used car from me." Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, some people probably don't know about uh, the, would you buy a used car from this man. Uh, tagline from the 60s so i mentioned that <laughs> just a uh, little little things like that mm -hmm. which uh people think i i might not know and uh and uh th people my age might not know uh so if they they were to look at that they they might not know so uh so i felt the need to uh say something even though a lot of people would get things so, um, when you're done with this project, uh, yeah. what, what is your ultimate goal? Is this going to be turned into a book or anything like that? <laughs> or you don't know at this time? I, I don't know at this point. Um, yeah, I've done a few things, um, which I've kind of aborted. I, I did a, I had a thing called a thousand one tweets at the movies, but, uh, if, but I, I eventually stopped that just cause, uh, people don't really care about movies they haven't seen uh, <laughs> and, and don't know anything about. Um, the idea was uh, to do things like do little movie reviews in, in uh, 288 characters or less. Um, but, yeah, if, if people don't know anything about them, they're, they're not interested. Yeah. Cause... They only care about things they're familiar with. Uh, so I, I gave up on that. Um uh, but yeah, I, I do want to concentrate more on uh, my own cartoons. Yeah. Well, if you you do have the ability to get it turned into a book somehow, I think it might be an interesting reference book, especially considering since Matt doesn't do movie parodies anymore. Yeah, uh, but Matt still is a licensed property, so true, true. Yeah, I don't know about uh, that. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if the project you're working on is uh, authorized by Matt, or if it is... Uh, just a, a scholarly thing or if it if it is tied in with them or what 
Well, I mean, when you know, since I'm covering it, you know, the way I have always done my books, uh, it's generally covered by fair use. I do. Yeah. I am constricted the way you are that I can't be reprinting entire articles and things like that. Right. But I can certainly put a, an image or two uh, yeah. if I'm referencing it in the text. You know? Right. So, um, you know, you might be able to, to get away with that if unless you're, uh, you know, <laughs> putting a ton of images or something. But, right. you know, it might be more for a reference than, you know, actually showing images. But I have to check out the website, like I said, just to, you know, See, yeah, I thought but, maybe if I did a book, I'd, I'd have to put it, I'd put in more text or something. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like uh, you know, you know, it, it, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to be jealous for a second. It's like, why? Well, I, I could have thought of this idea. <laughs> you know, damn it. Yeah. yeah. I, also, I, mostly, <laughs> I mean, if I, if I were to track down, uh, I couldn't track down any of the uh, writers and artists because uh, most of them are dead. Yeah. Because um, I, I know when when you did your your cracked books, you were able to. Uh, find most of the people involved and uh, most people don't know this story anyway um, but uh, you were able to uh, get most of the people involved because uh, most of the people were still alive right and also because most people because uh, nobody knows who owns the copyrights anyway <laughs> right um, yeah it's funny I'll, uh, you know and I've repeated this before but I'll say it again you know in the crack thing uh, the only pushback I got was, well, you're not reprinting anything from the website, are you? And then they go, yeah. no. And they go, oh, okay. They didn't care if I reprinted everything from the magazine, but uh, yeah. I wasn't going to take advantage of it and do that because that wasn't the nature of that book. But, uh, And I'm not suggesting to anyone else uh, that it's out of copyright. It's just that they, at that time, only cared about the website. They did not care yeah. about the old magazine. So, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know. I have no idea what uh, what uh, Warner Brothers Warner Brothers is protective of with Mad because um, I know I, they they uh, they use it to sell uh, things of Alfred E. Newman and Spy vs. Spy and uh, maybe have uh, books of the Don Martin uh, stuff. Uh, but other than that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing over there. I mean, <laughs> it's almost kind of like you know. It, it, <laughs> I, I don't know if they, they like to keep Mad going just as a copyright thing or what, because yeah, yeah. once they took it off a of newsstand distribution last year, it's like, what's the point? You know, I mean, you know, not yeah. everybody who used to buy it on the newsstand necessarily went out to subscribe. I did, but you know, that's yeah. because I said, uh oh, I'm not going to be able to find this anymore because my preferred yeah. way was to buy it on the newsstand. I didn't like buying it uh, or getting it in the mail because I didn't want it to get all scrunched up in my mailbox, which happens on occasion. And I'm like, Arr, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just know that they're uh, more proprietary, uh, just because uh, because they are uh, owned by a corporation and they are more pr proprietary, yeah. um, uh, being used as a trademark. Um, but yeah, on, on my own blog, I, I don't even have the uh, Mad logo or Alfred E. Newman on yeah. it, so. Yeah, uh, they might. They wouldn't care about that. Yeah, I, I've usually been pretty successful in skirting around the issue on different yeah. uh, projects I've worked on. Uh, the you know I've had people threaten lawsuits and things like that, but a lot of times it's just people upset about, and I won't name names, but people upset about you know what I wrote, 
even though they gave me permission to use that material, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I, I just, uh, try to, you know, make it definitely, uh, like in the case of the Mad Book, uh, uh, def it's definitely stated that I don't own any copyrights in this. I'm not implying any ownership. Yeah. I don't want any ownership. I'm just writing yeah. about a magazine that I, I like. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I should ask, ask uh, some of the uh, the people, any, some of the, uh, do you know any of the, the uh, Tomorrow's people? Yes, I do. Because, uh, yeah. yeah. We can talk I, offline I they, about that, but yeah. When, I do. when they do the uh, Jack Kirby uh, collector, um, I don't know what, Kind of the, what their issue is when they uh, reprint Jack Kirby stuff. Well, they are, I will admit, they are very strong sticklers for getting permissions, so, uh -huh. which is a good thing, you know. Um, yeah. And so, you know, they have basic blanket mm -hmm. uh, agreements, as it were, you know, with Marvel and DC and the other publishers, you know. Yes, you can reprint our stuff within reason for this purpose, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in the case of the Jack Kirby Collector, um, I don't know the specifics, but I know they have an arrangement with the Jack Kirby Estate that they can reprint things. So yeah, mm -hmm. and it was just a a general fanzine, and now it's more like a prozine, as it were. But. Yeah. Uh, it still has the same origins that, you know, they, they sought out the permissions because they don't like to ruffle any feathers, so, which is a good, yeah. it's admirable yeah. that they're doing that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't want to have any situation where uh, if they forgot to get permission for X article, let's say, then the next time they need to get permission, well, you didn't get permission last time. We're not going to give it to you this time. You know, it's like, right. eh, you know, and that's what they're trying to avoid. So yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, they, they do well, and you know, it takes some time for issues, uh, you know, to come out. You know, I mean, books that they've done because they like to dot all their eyes and cross all their t's and everything. But hey, <laughs> that's what they're there for. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing I'm doing, um, like a few dozen people at most uh, are looking at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if uh, if I like some somebody like like them, uh, like even if I get permission, uh, they they might uh, say, oh, well, why don't we do it? Um, and then it would be taken out of my hands um, if I if I tried to do a book about it. Well, they're not usually that way. At least that publisher, you know, I wouldn't. Um... You know, I won't, yeah, again, I won't name names, but, you know, very few publishers actually would do that. They're usually pretty good about keeping the person who originated the idea along for the ride, as it were. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, anyway. Um, any other projects in the works? I mean, we started the hour with that, but uh, just to kind of wrap things up. Uh, well, I'm know. almost finished with uh, Hail Seizure, um, and... Uh, um, probably I most likely have an agent for that and we're going to, sh we're shopping that around. And, uh, during the quarantine, um, a lot of the, uh, the people that work for publishers are out of work right now. Um, but, um, it, the, the ones that are, uh, seem more receptive, uh, to new things, uh, uh for the next uh, few months at least. Uh, so I'm hoping for something, uh, with that mm -hmm. and I'm hoping something with that picks up. 
Okay. And if, if people want to get a hold of you or they want to read the Mad Blog, uh, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> well, my, my my email address is on it, uh, okay. so so they can uh, get in touch with me through that. And what what's the URL on the Mad Blog? It's uh, rated black b l e uh, two c's h uh, dot blogspot dot com. Okay. And uh, anything else you'd like to say or plug? <laughs> no, it, I mean it, it does have links to uh, all my, to my other projects on it. Um, I'm not anonymous. I'm not uh, keeping it underground or anything like that. It's not. It's not a big secret. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I do. I do mention uh, that it's only a hobby, and uh, I have uh, my own uh, artist biography on it, um, and it, it links to other things I do on it. So uh, yeah, it, it's just uh, one of the uh, things I do, not for profit. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm mostly I'm a I'm a cartoonist and. Uh, I worked on. I, I live off uh, royalties of, of that, and uh, and I worked on SpongeBob for about a year, um, and and the comic as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly known for that, um, and I, I mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's links to uh, my my uh, email address and uh, my web page on there. So people can easily get a hold of me. 2020 was the first time kids asked, but why? And we didn't have an answer. As the world scrambled to fight COVID-19, the mental health of our youngest generation has been overlooked. Wanting to change this, we have created Monster Dance, the first multimedia picture book for children about life in the time of the pandemic and give families the opportunity to provide an uplifting tale for the little ones in their lives. For this, we've assembled the mightiest of teams. Beloved illustrator Guy Gilchrist, author and Madeline Editions founder Eva Liu, physician and co-founder of Donate PPE, Dr. Karen Tsai, and acclaimed actor, and on this occasion, your narrator, Dennis O'Hare. Monster Dance follows Maurice, an endearingly melodramatic dog, and Charlie, an artistic little girl, as they grapple with a world that's suddenly gone topsy-turvy. Available through Kickstarter as both a hard copy book and an enhanced e-book, Monster Dance is helping children better understand and overcome their coronavirus fears. Thanks to your support and pledges, we will be donating copies of the book and PPE masks to hospitals around the world. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Sam Henderson, for being my special guest. Episode number 83 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. 
This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you, and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors at the price I'm paying. Don't fall back Don't fall back